He's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the transparent truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Excited here on a Tuesday, Miracle Mile, Maslin and Wilshire, Transparent Truth number one's football high school football podcast in America, number one in America high school football podcast. I got my man Greg Biggins on the line, fresh from Las Vegas. No, 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 it's not Las Vegas. From Mesquite, Nevada, the very cold and chilly. From what I hear, Mesquite, Nevada. Greg Biggins, what up? <laughs> Dude, it was chilly, man. It was like mid-30s. Wow. Wasn't too bad on Sunday, but that Saturday, I'm just, again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm not too proud to say when it comes to that whole weather thing, I'm, I'm your stereotypical SoCal softy, not built, not wired for that kind of nonsense. I'm with you. I, I layers do not, upon layers, and I was ooh, still chilling. Right, right. You you got multiple layers, but your fingertips is cold, your toes is cold. <laughs> I am not that guy to be out in those elements. Uh, and I hear some people are out there for 12 hours a day, Greg. And I, of it was course, long. Oh, it dude. It was a long event. Oh. You know, there was, uh, we wanted to get there early on Saturdays to see the Hawaii teams because we had our boy Blair Angulo who covers Hawaii for us. And then between like 10 and 2, there just wasn't a whole lot of action. And then all the SoCal teams came like at 5. So if you wanted to see all those teams, you have to stay until about 9-ish. Long day, my friend. But yeah. uh, it was good. It was a good time. We still stayed in Vegas. So got to partake. Nothing wild, but still got to hang out in Vegas for a little bit, walk the strip. And then, uh, but yeah, the tournament was, uh, was a nice little 80-mile drive to Mesquite. <laughs> wow, 80 miles? Didn't know that. I thought it was like 30 miles. minutes away. No, I wish. I wish. Wow, 80 miles away. Well, um, I mean, just kind of listening to people who've been, who who went, who made the trip, uh Sounds like most folks had a good time, Greg. How would you assess the tournament, just in terms of logistically, um, the way it was ran? We both know Baron, the the owner of Pylons, a good dude. Um, how, how how do you assess? How do you evaluate that part of Pylon Seven on Seven, Las Vegas? Yeah, no, I mean, I gotta give it to Baron. Getting known him a long time. Huff has known him even even longer. And, and this thing started off. It was called. You know, the Badger Sport, 7-on, where it was just a bunch of individual players that Barron put on teams randomly. And, you know, they just kind of grabbed jerseys and threw them on there. And, and Huff's been going since the very beginning. And just to see how Barron was able to, to grow it. I mean, the guy just has a very fruitful mind. And he saw this vision. So, uh, you know, logistically, the, the new site in Mesquite was incredible. It was beautiful. The scenery itself was unbelievable. You had a ton of fields. Uh, a lot of wide open spaces. So logistically, even though it's a little bit of a drive, it's it, I don't want to say it's worth it because it'd be fun to drive five minutes, but it's its pretty close to worth it. He, he really did a, did a nice job. He's upgraded in some areas, upgraded the security, which they needed, unfortunately. Right. Uh, had a couple ugly brawls on the last day. Um, but to his credit, he had... You know, he had police and a lot of security. The first couple of years I've went, you, you didn't see that. This year they had a full-on police force out there, which they needed. Um, 
dude. There was some pepper spray going on out there. Wow, Keith. Yeah, it was it was bad. It was uh, in the parking lot, so it was away from everything else. And oh, that that's probably the ugly side of this whole deal. You know, the, the actual football side. I'll I'll always kind of mess around with the parents being a little psychotic and how they get so serious. But the actual football was pretty good. I thought the refs were upgraded. They were better. Mm-hmm. But just the whole idea of. We lost the game. Let's start a brawl. It happened like three times. <laughs> what? And, and, and one of them, I saw, um, thankfully I wasn't there. I was already left, but I saw the video that someone was sending me. And there was parents out there that looked like they were swinging on kids. Not not out there to try to separate, but it looked like you had parents that were like almost uh, furthering it a little bit. But the one that was kind of ugly, I mean, my whole deal is if you get into a fight, you should never be allowed back. And it's just... That's the one thing that I would I would probably do a little differently. Maybe try to enforce penalties. I'm going to probably sound like that grumpy old man, get off my lawn. But I would just, every tournament that we ever did at Student Force, we didn't allow trash talking because we always said, you know what, it's fun. I get it. If it's good natured, you can kind of tell. But when it starts to get kind of heated, you got to start throwing a flag for that. And you got to stop allowing the other team to kind of run to the other team's sideline and do the whole taunting thing because, yeah, it's fun. But it always leads to something else. So if it's going to take away a little bit of the fun, but it's going to en- enhance security and make sure that no kids get punched out, I, I would say, you know what, let's, let's do that. But in terms of the, the football, um, the environment, the um, you, you mentioned it already, just kind of like the field layout, sure. that was all really, really good. It was mm-hmm. upgraded. And like I said, I, I give Barron a lot of credit for just his vision. You know, 178 teams, like 130 high school teams. Right. Vendors everywhere. I mean, he's uh, he's really established. You know, a really solid event, and uh, it was a, it was a pretty good pretty good couple of days of football. I saw some a lot of good young players. Um, you know, a lot of it just you can tell some teams, Keith. You can tell they practice this, right? It wasn't just an all star team. It was these teams practice sure seven on seven offense and defensive schemes, and they just they weren't the most talented, but uh, you know, Cameron Carmona who's great guy and a trainer sure uh, he had a bunch of scrappy eighth grade quarterback uh, a bunch of scrappy freshmen stopped they made it all the way to the corner finals wow. and lost to um to ground zero's team who was really good um and then you had the the juice county team which is like an oc buckeyes team they made it all the way to the final and lost in overtime a heartbreaker to the fsp team which that FSP team was was an all-star team that also practices. So it literally was the best of both worlds. It yeah. was uh, a bunch of freak athletes who are so well coached and trained. Tracy Ford is unbelievable. And those guys just do it the right way. They do. Um, they're, they're classy. Um, you know them as well as yeah. I do. They're just their first class. They don't talk a lot of trash unless you talk first. They had a great pull play game against Florida who was all over them. And then they came back and ended up winning in overtime. But, uh, just a lot of great athletes, well-coached, disciplined team, and, and they definitely deserve to win it. But that Juice County team, man, they made it interesting. Took them to overtime with a bunch of young, you know, a bunch of young freshmen and sophomores. And watching them play, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, dude, watch out for Servite in a couple of years because all these guys, a lot of these guys are going to Servite or at Servite right now. So they got some leaders who like football. That was easy to tell. So I uh, didn't back down. Yeah. No fear in their eyes, Keith. I saw no fear at all in their eyes. They looked across the field and saw Keely Ringo or G. Scott or Savelle Smalls or Johnny Wilson. Um, and FSP team had some men, but uh, it was it was overall it was, it was a good time, a pretty good tournament, Keith. It was uh, I, I was impressed. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little uh, a little jealous. 
not jealous. I guess I'm a little I'm a little bothered that I didn't make the trip. I had prior plans, but um, it sounded like it was a really good tournament. Unfortunately, some things broke out. Some some parent parking lot pimping was going on, parking lot swinging, and the whole nine. But I mean, I don't even know how you stop that, Greg. Like the game is over, people are off the field. I mean, what else can you do as the person owning and managing the situation? And people in the parking lot they begin chirping, and next thing you know, punches start flying. Like, like. This is 2019. You don't know how to solve your problems without using your fists. You you can't use your words. You can't communicate. Yeah, you're you're, you're speaking with too much wisdom, Keith. (laughs) I mean, it's it's sad. It's sad. It's sickening, Greg. Some of the teams that were like that, you saw the coaches that were like that, too. Very confrontational. Yes. Egging it it on a little bit. Yep. Don't want to name names. There are some coaches that I literally literally was looking at them going, are you an adult? Right. Seriously, are you? And, And, you know, Armand Hawkins had a great tweet that said something like, hey, as coaches, like we're responsible for our team, like and we're leaders and mentors. What kind of how are we representing ourselves if we're allowing our team to go out there and fight? You know, it was just it was so just stupid. You know, you lose a game, let's go start swinging on some kids. It, it just that's the ugly side of seven on seven. Everything else, you know, was cool. It was it, it was it was well officiated. The games were good, very exciting. A ton of overtime games. It was good football being played. You saw some great one on one matchups. Receiver DBs, some young quarterbacks stepping up. And then that kind of just kind of puts a, just kind of puts a little damper on yeah. things. And you see, uh, and you see some kids that potentially could get hurt really bad. I haven't heard that happen, but dude, when there's that many, like I was here in the parking lot, deal was like 60, 65 deep. And like I said, thank, thank God that Barrett had had cops there. They were, you know. But when you got to get this pepper spray out, you got to start evaluating your life and saying, dude, <laughs> what what kind of person am I that I'm in this brawl that has to be pepper sprayed to stop over a seven on seven game? Greg, I will never, ever understand it. I just want, I, I can't understand it. I refuse to understand it. Which one of you morons are in the middle of a fight in the parking lot in Mesquite, Nevada, where it's 30 degrees over a dang street football game? Are you, you have mental health problems, whoever you are. And you're probably listening to this this show because I don't know who you are, but whoever you are, you probably listen. Everybody listens. You have mental health problems and you need to go get checked. You need to go get evaluated and diagnosed. You need to get on some medication. That's absurd. Greg, it's just, it's so far gone in my head. It's just absurd. It's absurdity. That's a, that's a real word. Absurdity. I can't believe it. there's 60 guys fighting in a park. What are you fighting over? Like, what's what's the cause? Hey, I man, mean, I, he held me. Yeah, during yeah, the game. Yeah, exactly. Hey, he taunted. He, you know, he taunted me. No, he taunted me first. No, he was. And the thing that's so dumb. And again, I get it. You know, I get how kids act and talk. And I'm not trying to be out of touch, but. They were high-fiving each other. Like, it, that always happens. Like, kids, like, think that this is the cool thing to do, and they'll be bragging about it at school Monday and Tuesday. Of like, yeah, did you see me do it? It's just like, that's kind of where there's just that disconnect of, you know, if your life's in danger, man, I have no problem swinging on someone and doing whatever you can, but not after a seven-on-seven game because there was some, some, you know, ribbon back and forth. And then after the game's over, you see the two sides come together, 
and they're all just just woof and jaw jacking and it just all of a sudden it goes to that it just it just it's unnecessary what what stops someone from pulling out like a gun greg like Dude, that's honestly, the, that's the see, next step and that's a that very before. real step it's a real step for sure i've seen it happen before i've seen guys go to their cars to get the guns but i said he got back to the field that was it was broken up but when you have 60 people like that and it's it's that wild where cops are involved and obviously cops aren't doing pepper spray as the first choice that was the last resort right so when you have cops that can't even break the thing up and i don't want to spend too much time because it was it was you know what i'm saying i don't want to spend too much time almost giving credence to it except yeah. you know obviously we're, we're we're chastising it right but uh dude i would have i would not have been surprised at all if multiple people went to their cars to get a gun out when you have when it's that reckless and wild that would not have surprised me in the least Someone will. Someone is gonna die at one of these events because of that. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like a rap concert. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh man, that is uh, that is that's that's tough to listen to. But I one thing I can, I guess one thing I can kind of rest my hat on is it sounds like there were great kids there and coaches for the most part. There was good competition. And it looked like just from, you know, pictures and videos and reading the articles um, that it was fun. It was competitive. Uh, it was it got intense, uh, especially late in the day on Sunday. And um, man, I just hope that that's where it stays, because anything beyond that, I don't want to deal with, you know, when I but I can't even remember the last time I went to a seven on seven tournament, Greg. Being honest with you, I, I don't remember. It's been over a year for sure. But nonetheless, GB, you were there, and I and I do want to kind of get into what took place from the games that you watched. Uh, but before we do that, Greg, we got a sleeper of the week. It's time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, GB, of course, you were out in Mesquite, Nevada. You saw probably a thousand kids. You can't see everybody. There's no possible way. You can be on one field at a time. But you found a cornerback from the Pacific Northwest who I had previously seen about a week prior, and he stood out for you. Why don't you go ahead and talk about it? Yeah, so this is a kid. Obviously, you know, Keely Ringo was the guy everybody was wanting to see, and he, he was extremely impressive. But the guy playing opposite him was 6'3", 6'2 and a half, 6'3", long, athletic, with long arms. Um he goes to Kentwood High School. He goes by the name of Alphonse O'Wack. Oh. O-O-Wack. 
O W W O Y W A K O W A K, and he was whacking people out there. Really impressive. Again, I, I've always been a fan. I think you have two of those long athletic yep. corners that uh, you know that are fluid and you know not those thick kids that are a little stiff in the hips. He was long and fluid, and uh, really impressive. Just plays without having a clutch and grab. Yeah, uh, real smooth confidence. Again, credit Tracy for coaching the kid up. He looked like he knew what he was doing, uh, whether it was press, playing off. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying it was directly as a result, but he picked up his first offer today from the University of Arizona. So I know a lot of people say, oh, 7-on-7, that doesn't lead to anything. I know a lot of coaches who actually do take it as part, not the whole thing, but as part of an evaluation. And, you know, if you're a coach and and you're looking looking at video, just like you saw video, Mm -hmm. you you see a guy who's 6'2", 6'3", that can run, it's going to make you want to flip on the actual tape no with pads on and say, okay, yep. no one's going to offer it to you without watching the tape first, right? right. No one, a good coach won't do that, but you kind of see the tape kind of matches up what you saw in the shirts and in the shirt shorts environment. You're like, dude, this guy can go. Right. So, sleep of the week, Keith. Alphonse O'Wack out of Kentwood High School in Kent, Washington. Very good looking prospect. I think that's going to be the first offer of many to come for him. Yeah. They've got, let me, let me go back. They have, and they, meaning FSP, they have a plethora of young talent in that program. Now, I know they took at least two teams, probably three teams, to Mesquite. They've got a couple young corners who are freshmen who are really, really good. They've got a uh, kind of hybrid safety linebacker, Polynesian kid, long hair, who's about 6'3", and he's a freshman. He's going to be a national recruit. OWAC coming in with the OOWAP. In Mesquite, Nevada. <laughs> and I like it, GB. Uh, I really like that FSP program. You said it earlier. I'll say it again. Tracy Ford does a great job. Not only training and developing, but also mentoring, pushing, loving on his kids. They respect him. They don't fear him, I believe. Um, and he's not selling them, which I can appreciate. They're doing a nice job. They do it the right way. You want to find no, somebody. Yeah, you want you want to find somebody that's doing it the right way. Yeah, go visit the FSP program. No, Tracy Ryan Clary, those guys are legit. I mean, you have to have a three GPA to even play with them, Keith. Which I mean, how beautiful is that? And and I mean, this is an actual coach slash trainer. I mean, Miles Jack when he comes to town, he works out with Tracy. Uh, Buddha Baker comes to town, he works out with Tracy. This isn't just a seven on seven guy. This is a actual trainer who teaches football, whether it be seven-on-seven seven or in the pads, he does a lot of combine prep for these guys going out for the NFL draft. So I'm not trying to make this a long Tracy Ford infomercial, yeah. but I do love the guy. And I know, uh, you know I, he does it the right way. A lot of guys do it the right way, but obviously the results for this weekend, they got they got the dubs. So we got to talk them up and his program and how they do it. Sure. They had, uh, you know, they had big Johnny Wilson, who's a SoCal guy, but he decided that he wanted to go out there and play for them. Keely Ringo uh, is from Arizona, but he's originally from Washington. Mm-hmm. He has worked with Tracy in the past, so it wasn't like they got a bunch of ringers. Um, Keely Ringo is actually an FSP guy, uh, so dang, he looked really good, too. So, um, But other, everybody else is all homegrown talent. Yeah. So, of course, I'm a little partial to this group. I just spent some time with them not, no longer than, you know, 10 days ago. And I thought it was a special group, Greg. Um, and 
I got a chance to see him run around a little bit. But beyond that, these were really good kids. Two parent households, most of them. Um, humble kids, hungry kids who have the right mindset that you're looking for, whether you're a coach, you're, a, you're an evaluator, a scout, whatever the case may be. These guys over at FSP, they are what you're looking for. And I'm, if you're jealous of hearing that, then I'm sorry for you. Maybe you should go up there and take a trip. This group of kids in that 2020 class, and they got a couple 2021 ringers and guys even below that, they they're what they are guys who are going to help change the culture of programs or they're going to add to the culture of a program when they take it to the next level. Uh, just looking at the video, it, you know, and I said via social media, I said, for me, for me, and this is me, and, and most times people don't agree with me, and I'm fine with that, G. Scott is a top 10 wide receiver nationally. For me, it seemed like he put on an absolute clinic in, in Mesquite. Greg, can you speak on that? Oh, e- easily a top 10 guy. And, and I don't know where we have him ranked. I think he's a top 50 national guy overall. He looks, and, and I, I saw G last year at the Honor Bowl. Unfortunately, and again, I'm not trying to talk shade. Uh, the quarterback that they had at Eastside uh, wasn't exactly Sam Heward, but G looks noticeably uh, quicker, a little mm. more explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, he's strong as heck. Yeah. Um, probably one of the highlights of the of the tournament was he was just manhandling some little poor kid. Uh, that, you know, that I was trying to hang with him, and so coach puts this big old Hulk in 6'3", dude, and yells across the field, press the F-U-C-K out of him. Like, shouts it, right? Nice. So this guy, you know, he's he looks like he's the part. He looks like he's a dude, but he lines up. You know, he's in a stance. G's in his stance. He makes a move left. He goes right. This guy falls in the ground. The only thing that would have been it better is if Sam actually looked and threw someone looked through it somewhere else. I was like, you got to throw it to G. Like when you get it's like one on one pickup basketball, right? When some guy calls you out, you sure. say, "Okay, clear out." Clear it out. I was, I was. This guy called out G because he was killing the other guy, and and Sam went the other direction. I go, dude, he just put this guy on his butt. You got to give him the ball. Very next play, the guy is still pressing him. Uh, another little post corner guy stumbles, touchdown, and obviously, again, the FSP kids they were relentless on this kid uh, G. You know, he won't talk first, but he will talk plenty if you go at it. Yep. So he had some fun. Obviously, G's a great kid. After game's over, he was the first guy to go hug the guy and kind of pat him on the head. But it was just, it was a classic moment of, of G. Uh, he, he was our dude. He was our go-to guy. Sam Adams was incredible, too. Sam had the clutch catch against Jew City to put the game into overtime. And then he had the, the, the touchdown or the, you know, overtime roll as longest yards. He had the big catch that gave him the win. So... You know, Sam is super intriguing in the sense that he's a 6'2", 200-pound running back. You know, a lot of guys think he could be, you know, an NFL safety, but playing receiver made natural hands, natural pass catcher. I mean, he doesn't fight the ball at all. He made huge clutch plays. I'm a big fan of that clutch gene. Not everybody has that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Sam Adams has it, and obviously, you know, kind of switching gears a little bit from your original G. Scott question, but, man, Sam Heward, you know, we talked off air, this guy throws as pure a ball. I mean, the lefties man it's like a golf swing swinging a baseball bat yep. it's Will Clark. smooth yep. you know what I'm saying that Sam ball just comes out of his hand just tight every time the guy spins it he's smart he's decisive he knows where he's going 
He had weapons everywhere. He kept everybody happy. He didn't need to. He could have just thrown it to one or two guys because everybody was open on that team. But he did a nice job spreading it around. And, uh, you know, DJ Rogers had a good tournament at tight end. Johnny Wilson did play a ton early on because he, did, so he didn't know the playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he still got involved. Uh, so real, real good times. But, yeah, to get back to your G. Scott, you know, reference, G was big time, man. He's, I think he's top 50, top 60. You know, the, the one question people always say about G is, you know, is he just a big possession guy? I'll tell you what, man, just talking to him and his dad, you know, that burns. I mean, he's looking for any reason to, to get motivated. I mean, he's that guy who plays with a little bit of a chip on mm-hmm. his shoulder all the time. Yeah. And uh, he that that has driven him. I mean, he trains like crazy to try to increase his speed. And, and that that's his goal is to run, you know, a 4-4, low 4-5 four, four range at the opening in May. The one up in Oakland. And uh, he looked good, man. He looked a lot more explosive than the last time I saw him play. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know why speed at that position – is so highly coveted, Greg, because if you look at some of the best receivers, they're not blazers. You look at a guy like a Larry Fitzgerald, who G can kind of remind you of sometimes. Not a blazer. That's a good comparison. I like that one. Uh, another guy who's probably going to be Hall of Famer, like Fitzgerald will be, Anquan Bolden. He can kind of remind you of G, his ability to run routes, create separation with strength and, and, and body positioning with terrific hands. I mean, you know, some guys have to have the speed because they don't have the other things. But those yeah. big physical receivers who are dynamic running routes and getting out of breaks with that catch radius, I mean, they don't need a ton of separation. I totally agree. And you, you nailed it. I, I think the thing is it's the NFL draft. You, 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 it's very interesting to me and fascinating for me. You know, when we do rankings, it's based on the NFL draft. And I had I had the issue of, do we want to rank based on NFL draft or NFL dominance, NFL performance? Right. And and there's because you look at the NFL draft and who are the top receivers? Those guys are drafted. You see a ton of guys four three four four, mm-hmm. maybe a low four or five guy. But those NFL guys who get paid billions of dollars to be super smart, they draft based on combine numbers and speed correctly but like you said the best receivers aren't the fastest guys so it's kind of like when is it gonna when is it gonna catch up to right. the guys making the decision when are they gonna start drafting based more on who's the best football player versus who has the best 40 time because like you said man it's there's a big gap almost and there's always exceptions to the rules but it seems like there's definitely uh, a separation between best receivers in the NFL and who are the fastest guys and who would win a you know a little four by one relay team? So yeah. um, I think that's what G G is driven by the fact that you know NFL draft you know every every receiver wants to get hear that hear, hear his name on day one. Those guys are four four guys. You can still have a great great long career being a four five four six guy. If you can do like you said all those other things that G does really well. There's a guy up in Pittsburgh who played at Long Beach Poly in USC is having a pretty good career right now, pretty good start to his career. Who's now wide receiver one with the Steelers. He wasn't a four three four four guy, but he's just a guy who runs great routes, who's big and physical, can break tackles and enough speed to get to the end zone. I'll take that on my team. Oh, I would 100% as well. Yeah. 100%. Yep. Um, you mentioned Sam, Sam Adams. I want to kind of get back to him really, really, really quick. I really think Sam Adams is undervalued. Um, I don't want to say by colleges because I think the colleges love him. But in terms of recruiting rankings, I think he's undervalued. 
Sam is a very versatile, big athlete. He's a kind of a jumbo athlete. And I don't know if you can categorize him as that, but Sam is almost all of 6'2". He's 6'1 and some change, two bills. At, you know, at the drop of a dime, he's going to be 215, 220. And he looks great catching the football, whether it's out of the backfield or running routes from the slot. I'm I'm a real big Sam Adams guy, real big Sam Adams guy. He can go, and I would put him at the upper echelon of backs in the country when you put together his entire body of work, meaning you know his his measurables, um, his his film, his seven on seven ability. Uh, which definitely translates for a running back out of the backfield catching the football. I'm a Sam Adams guy. Really like Sam. I'm a Sam Adams guy as a football player, and I'm also I like the Boston Logger quite a bit as well. Yep. Sam Adams. Like you, you can't say one's out the other. But <laughs> no, the funny thing I think I think that there, there isn't a knock on Sam, right? You can you can critique everybody. It's like saying, "Yo, the thing with Michael Jordan." I mean, you can find something wrong with everybody, but the knock on on Sam, and I use that word "knock" lightly, is. And sometimes people feel me. He may as a running back, he may be too tall. Mm-hmm. Maybe he runs a little bit too upright. That's why a lot of people are saying safety mm-hmm. might be his ultimate NFL position. But like, dude, I would use the term jumbo athlete as well because he is six two, two hundred pounds, and really well put together. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everyone knows his dad, uh, former All American, big old dude. Sam's still huge. Yeah, Texas A and M. So I think people see that and think, okay, the kid's going to keep growing. He's not done growing yet. So if he's six three and two fifteen, is he still a running back? Can he play something else? And for me, that's not a knock. Uh, that is a plus if you can play three or four different spots. I just, I just signed a kid who – I just signed four kids in one. That's kind of how I look at a kid. If I'm a college and I see a guy who can play multiple spots, I feel like that, that guy just – I can almost cheat. And, and my recruiting class can now – I can be more specific other places. If I draft Sam, I just drafted a running back, a receiver, a safety, and an outside linebacker all in one guy, depending on where his body goes and where his athleticism goes with that frame. I just drafted a guy who can help me out a lot of different spots. So it's not a knock. I think it's a plus to have a guy with that kind of versatility. Yeah, really like him. You mentioned Sam Heward. And we talked off air. And, you know, not many guys are born to be quarterbacks. You're talking about a guy like, you know, Joe Montana. I'm talking born as a quarterback, not developed into a quarterback, right? So Tom Brady's more of a – I don't know if he was born like that. I've seen his high school film. It wasn't like natural, right? It wasn't supernatural. You're talking about a guy like Joe Montana, a guy like John Elway. These guys were born to play the quarterback position. That's Sam Heward. What a pretty football player in the pocket. I, I like his arm. I like his footwork. You talked about it, Greg. His decision-making, his accuracy, for me, those are the biggest things for a quarterback. I don't care how big your arm or small your arm is. Can you make the correct decision? Can you put the ball where the ball is supposed to be? Sam is probably the most advanced, you know, freshman. Excuse me, he's a sophomore. The advance that I've seen with the ball in the pocket, and I've watched his game tape, his highlight tape, seen him in 7-on-7. Seven seven. The guy understands where the defense will be, what coverage that they're playing, where his attack points are, where what, what windows to put the ball in. He he knows it, Greg. Like the like like the back of his own hand. And it by watching the film, 
from Mesquite, he just carved. It looked like he just carved everybody up. Am I accurate in that statement? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the game just—you know—some guys, the game just looks easy for him, and that you can tell he's never rattled. He's never nervous. And yeah, I get it. Seven on seven. There's no pass rush, but he just looks so poised beyond his year. And I mean, the, the game literally—it slows down. That, that's always you, you can tell a kid gets it in, in any sport. You know, when the game starts to slow down from them, they can just process things really fast. Where everyone else is kind of sped up. The game just looks really slow for Sam. He's taking his drops, and he's just. First guy covered, boom. Second guy, third guy, fourth guy, back to the first. I mean, he just, he literally, you would never know he was a sophomore in high school. It's insane. He's got two more years to develop before he goes to the University of Washington. And he, he's a guy who I could see. And I, you don't say this about too many people, but as a true freshman, he can go in there and probably compete for playing time because he's so advanced from a, a mental standpoint. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. I'm a, yeah. So we've talked, you know, a lot about this. How did Johnny Wilson look? Johnny's a beast. Johnny looked good. Like I said, he didn't play a lot during pull play because, you know, he didn't know the he didn't know the plays. But when he when he played, I mean, he's a mismatch. I mean, he's legit six six two twenty who can run down the field, and he made a lot of big plays and had a ton of touchdowns. Um, I'm looking at our little all tournament team right now that I was working on with Blair mm-hmm. and Huff. You know, probably the biggest super freak. This isn't going to surprise anyone, but Darnell Darnell Washington, Washington. kind of event. Yeah, it's literally like. Me against my nine-year-old playing on a, on a Nerf hoop when I went basketball. I mean, it's this six-eight kid who's fluid and he's got a huge. There's balls you're going to left over his head, and then he just like jumps and he's touching probably ten feet with his with his wingspan. And he 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 was dominant in every single game. Um, easily the the top tight end out there. Uh, and you know another another Washington kid. I'm going to probably hope I don't butcher the name, but uh, Emeka Egbuka. Oh, he plays on the other. You know, kind of the rival FSP team. Yeah, the hair um, team. Hair football. Yeah, yeah. He, this guy was special, special, special. Mm-hmm. Um, loved him. Loved Rome Adunze, mm-hmm. Bishop Gorman kid. Yes, he you know lit up the Nike camp and he watched the tape and he I think he had like twelve hundred yards receiving last year. Yep. Um, big, fast kid, six two, six three. He mm-hmm. was dominant. Um, you know that that phase one team actually kind of made a surprise when they they were just okay in pole play. I think they made it to the to the semis. They made it to the final four before they lost to. I think they lost to the juice um, the juice team. Yeah, which was you know basically an OC Buckeye type team. Um, so uh, you know Michael Bowens was the quarterback. He kind of struggled a little bit earlier. We don't really need to do a recruiting segment this week, but he committed to Penn State last week. And as a quarterback, he had some offers as a DB. Oregon offered him as a DB, but he wanted to play quarterback. So uh, Penn State took Micah. He again was just okay during pole play, but he kind of he kind of got hot. Seven McGee was their running back receiver, and Seven was lights out. He made our he made our, our all tournament team, and just it, it's cool. Seven had never played on that team before, but it t- takes guys like that one or two one or two plays, and then he's already in the flow of things. He's just that gifted. So he was our, our all tourney running back, even though he was more of a slot guy. Him and Rome were both really really good for Micah. Logan Lawyer was tremendous. You know, he was uh, uncoverable, even though every team knew that he was the only guy the other team had. Shane Illingworth and him kind of connected pretty well. But, you know, you look at Logan, and I think a lot of people see this, you know, this, you know, half white, half Mexican kid, who, you know, who's, this guy can't beat me. And then Jeez. all he does, and he, he's gotten noticeably faster. So they played a team from Texas, and he was running by, you know, their secondary at will 
but his 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 best attributes are just his route running. I mean, his his ability to, to make people just turn him around. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, he had he had Clark Phillips turn around a couple of times, and, and that's hard to do against Clark because Clark's gifted. But they had a little nice little one on one matchup, and um, watching those two guys go at it was a lot of fun. Nice, but, uh, love Logan. Yeah, huge fan of his. Um, but yeah, the, the Juice County team. You know, Noah Fafita um, was was incredible. T Mac. Uh, I was butcher his first name, but last name just T, T, T McMillan. Kids mm. survived also a freshman, yep. six two, six three kid. They got a they had a bunch of scrappy kids that just played really well. Um, that was probably those are probably kind of some of the some of the local uh, offensive standouts, and then defensively, Keely Ringo was our defensive MVP. It's going to be interesting, you know, the, the kind of the battle for number one corner between him and Elias Ricks is going to be an ongoing one. Sure, I think right now we have Elias rated a little bit higher. I think Ringo's a bigger, faster kid, straight line. I think Ring, uh, Ricks probably a little more fluid. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a little bit of natural cover guy doesn't have to doesn't grab and clutch as much mm-hmm. as, as Kitty does right now. A um, little more fluid in his hips, Ricks is I think. But Ringo, you look at him and he just is, has he has a dog mentality. In fact, the way he the way he plays kind of stylistically similar to maybe what you saw from a Chris Steele. I mean, mm-hmm. he just wants to he can kind of just beat you up at the line of scrimmage if he if he wants to, but he's fast. I mean, he's a legit track guy, ten five, right, hundred meter guy. And he's getting he's getting better every time you you watch him out. So those two guys are kind of like. One A and one B, but Ringo was was exceptional. Noah Sewell, who we watched again, you don't really see linebackers impact too much, but Noah was was so good and so impressive. Savell Smalls had a great event. Um, Alakai Gilman from one of the Hawaii teams. You know, the, I tell you what, I, one of my favorite players on in pads is, has been Jordan Patello, and he was playing for one of the Hawaii teams. Dude, Keith, this guy is just mean. Like oh, after yeah. every oh, yeah. single play, oh, yeah. you know, there's a little extra push, a, a stare down. Yeah, you know, he'll throw. He actually tackled the guy. He broke his nose. You know, <laughs> little little running back, little flat, little pass out of the flat to the running back, and it's not just two hand touch. He had, he literally came up and just just bare took him to the ground, and you know, just his head hit the guy in the face and broke the nose. I mean, it's just like the guy's an animal, and you know. I usually like that, but it was almost a little bit over the top for me. He probably got two or three personal fouls in like three of the games I watched. You kind of like, okay, dude, I know you're aggressive, but kind of take it easy. You're really in a little seven bit. On seven. Yeah, it's still seven on seven. You don't need to, to you know, to prove anything to anybody. We, we get it. You're gifted, but uh, he uh, physically, I mean, he just kind of jumps out at you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Noah Abinger, another kid from Servite, played in that Juice team. Yes, uh, sophomore for that Servite, he had a really impressive, uh, really impressive event and helped his team get to that final. So, wow, yeah, man, good times, Keith. Good times. There's a lot of good, like I said, a lot of good young talent, and it's going to be fun to, to actually see. You know, there was an, it's funny story. There's an eighth grade quarterback. Um, you might know him, Caden Zamanza. He's going to be going to Mission Viejo next year and playing for Chad. Mm-hmm. But an OC Buckeye kid, probably about five ten. He was the he was the quarterback for Cremona's team. His real, real speed zoom. We went to the quarters. This kid's only about five ten, but man, is he really really good? Between him and they had this kid Quincy Craig, who's a freshman at Modern Day, mm. who I think has a chance, and another kid uh, Dane Yasamura, who all, all played together for this team. It, it, it was it was the most. Just you look at this team and go, okay, they're probably one and done. And they made all the way to the quarters. Um, but I like this young quarterback. This is an eighth grader. Um, so I would say remember that name. Caden Zamanza, I know Chad's already jacked about him and, and feels he's a next-level guy for sure. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see how soon the kid can play. 
you know, they got Peter Costelli just transferred in there. But uh, this kid coming up is going to be a freshman next year, and he could make noise at some point during his uh, next couple of years there. So, kind of my breakdown, brother. That's it for me. <laughs> I'm out of breath. Yeah, you're you're gassed over there. Gas. <laughs> Love Botello though. He's edgy for sure. Um, he's a guy who he wants to get after people. And that's not always the best platform, which that meaning seven on seven to kind of get after people physically. But uh, I love him when he puts a helmet and shoulder pads on. That's for sure. Uh, I like hearing about the young kids, eighth graders. I think for me, Greg, I think that's what seven on seven could could be more for in terms of like high school seven all star seven on seven. Those kind of eighth graders coming in ninth grader or those freshman kids who play freshman ball but were really good and it's going to be their time to shine. I like I like that part of it for 7 on 7. I do. It would definitely give you a chance to see some guys early in the late late winter or early spring kind of get a look at them, go back and look at their freshman tape. I remember that's how I found Clark Phillips when he was a freshman at Bosco. Saw him in a 7-on-7, seven seven, went back, looked at his head, and went, whoa, holy smokes. If this kid ever grows, he's going to be an absolute terror. And next thing you know, he was 5'9 and a half, 5'10. So, uh, you know, good good, good piece, GB. Pylon, 7-on-7, seven seven, Mesquite, Nevada. You walking down the strip in Las Vegas. I got some pictures and some video from you on the strip in Las Vegas that someone sent to me. A little out of pocket, GB. Lies, lies. A little out of pocket, all, my man. All lies. You did not see that. Hey, one thing I before we switch it up. Yeah. If we even if we do switch it up, I don't know if we even talked about the ground zero squad, but you know, I know they you know, friend of the friend of the show, Aaron East had a great tournament as mm. well. I don't know how I missed talking about him and when I mentioned the all tournament team because he's gonna be on it too. You know, they got some really good collection of receivers with LV Bunkley and Chad Johnson and uh, the machine, uh, Darius Wallace. But Aaron East was their go-to dude. Mm-hmm. Probably had 12 touchdowns in pole play alone. And I really want to encourage Aaron to continue. You know, he can't do much about the height, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but continue to, to work on that short air equipment that he already has, the top end speed. I'm a big fan of track. And Aaron, had, he's a natural catcher. He's got a dog mentality. He's very tough. He's gritty. He's got a chip on the shoulder. Uh, he runs great routes. He runs well after the catch. I think colleges look at him and they see a guy who's, you know, for his size, they probably want him a little bit faster, a little more long speed. If he can continue to work on that, he's got a chance to play for someone and be very productive because no one could cover him this past weekend. He had a great tournament. Like for that ground zero team, it's the all the way to the final four. They lost in overtime to FSP, who won the whole deal. So great tournament by, by ground zero. Their young quarterback Lucas Lunoff had a really good event. He was their he was their guy. Um, Delmonte Jackson, a freshman, he got to throw out some love for him. He, he was love that kid. Guy. Had a great yeah. He's a no brainer. Just he just oozes upside. Yep. yep. Uh, Darion Green Warren, but Aaron East for me was probably their best player, and I just wanted to shout him out. Not just because the family's friend of the program, but because Aaron deserved it. Really, really good tournament. Was Elias Ricks there? Elias was not. You know, Elias is taking. Taking kind of seven on seven off. He's he's working on, you know, football, more football stuff. He's training a lot of stuff with Charlie Collins. He's um, taking seven on seven off, working on more football stuff, huh? <laughs> he's kind of doing more specific <laughs> stuff than than seven on seven. And so he is uh 
No, he's working out with our guy Charlie Collins, working yep. on speed, working on agility, working on strength. He's put on some some good weight, some mm-hmm. good size. So, mm-hmm. you know, can't can't knock anyone for that. No, are you kidding me? That that's um, admired. That's encouraged. Yeah, go work on some football stuff. That's a that's a good thing. You're a football. I mean, you know, when you play football, but uh, you nevertheless. Mesquite, Nevada, Pylon 717. <laughs> that just sounds funny. <laughs> Mesquite, Nevada. Nevada. I, I thought it was 30 miles away, 80 miles away from 80 the strip. miles away, yeah. But, hey, people paid their money to get in. People fought to get out. <laughs> it went down in Mesquite, Nevada. And, uh, you know, what do we have next, GB? What, what's the next big kind of seven-on-seven deal, do you know? Yeah, I don't know. I know the big event. I know this Sunday, the Under Armour has their, their camp. Okay, this Sunday. At Mission Viejo. So, uh-huh. uh, and then I want to say Adidas Regionals is in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, I think Adidas Regionals was uh, was kind of way out there, at uh, kind of out in the Thousand Oaks, Westlake area. This year, it's at El Camino. So I'm all about that. But, you know, shortens my commute by, by a half. So Are you kidding? Adidas Regionals, that, that'll be good. It'll be all the top. You know, just the Adidas team. Obviously, FSP will, will be back and try to defend, um, not defend their title because they won Pylon, but FSP will probably be a top seed there. And it, last year, if anybody went to that, it was a really good event. And when it's all a, you know, like it's a, a select event, just like 16 teams, there's uh, there's no, you know, you never see any extracurricular jaw jack and fighting. These are all kind of pretty, you know, pretty elite level, you know, teams with, with some discipline and the coaching staff. So you, mm. you see some of that knuckleheadery. If that's even a word, kind of Knuckle, wiped out. So knuckleheader this weekend, and then the yeah. regional in two weeks. So it should be a couple of pretty fun events. No, it it sounds good. Sounds really good. Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy Showcase in Stockton, California, this weekend. Greg, I'm on a trip. Showcase in Stockton, Stag High School. We're gonna turn it all the way up. Got some nice little surprises from Zenith, from overtime. Got a special guest that's going to be in the building. Got some good stuff going on. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Can't wait to get back on the grass and do one of the things that I love to do best, which is coach a little ball. That's why they call me Coach Keith, you know. GB, it's time to bring this baby to a close. We appreciate you guys for joining us here on The Transparent Truth. Me and my man Greg Biggins, we do not take your listening, your listenership lightly. And um, we appreciate you as always. Please make sure you tune in to Friday. We will not have a five-star Friday guest, but we do have a five-star Friday show. So be looking for that. Without further ado, there's a new sheriff in town. And his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.